The following audio message is from Neighborhood Church in Overland Park, Kansas. At Neighborhood Church, we seek to be a community that loves God and our neighbors together. If you would like to learn more about Neighborhood Church, please go to www.neighborhoodchurchop.com. Good morning. Good morning. He has risen. Um, happy Easter, my friends. And uh, thank you for, for many who invited friends and new people in the room. So glad to have you guys. I want to welcome you here as well. Uh, my hope is, is that you would experience, uh, wherever you're at in your, in your faith, wherever you're walking, your, in your connection with Jesus even, my hope today is that you would feel blessed, you would feel the hope that God provides for all of humanity My hope is that you would see, as Rivers just read, that Christianity, um, Jesus, is about newness of life, and that God can take things that are are worn out, that are uh, possibly broken, uh, things that are even dead and seemingly worthless, God can make important, God can make essential, God can make these things cherished in love, and he does that with people all the time. Maybe there's something in your life or something in your home, or maybe there's a room dedicated in your house to old things that you have worked on and you possibly restored or made better. Uh, maybe you like to bring things back to life. Maybe that's one of the hobbies that you have. Uh, my father-in-law likes to take uh, super sport muscle cars and take them where they look like they're rusty things that should be in a junkyard and turns them to machines that I wish I get one day, right? Like that's what, that's what he does for a living. And he is fantastic at it. My, my own father, he, he's good with wood and furniture and, and people in their small town, he'll, he'll be just dropped off old piano benches and he'll recut out legs and match the, and match the stain and make it look like it was just like great grandma's old piano bench. Maybe you, um, uh, you're, maybe you're good with gardens. Maybe you're good with flower beds. Maybe, maybe you're good with um, tiny miniatures. <laughs> you know, maybe there's things that in your life you love to build, restore, and make new. My friend Logan up here, um, as you see, his guitars slowly multiply from week to week. He, he likes to take old guitars and redesign knobs and take out the old components and put new components in and make guitars Easter Sunday ready, right? And we're, we're, we're excited about that. At least I'm very I'm excited about that. My, um, uh, my first step into our home, we moved into the neighborhood in 15. We just live right over here on Slater. Um, as we moved into a whole, our home, when you first walk in, there's the front kind of living space. But when you go to the back, it's the back space with the, with the kitchen and a sunroom. And it was three rooms. When we first... Should I switch microphones, Doug? Is that... I'm happy to switch. Let me switch. When I, when I, when I first came in and I saw this, these three rooms, I was thinking, oh, there's, there's a lot of potential here. But then I also think... There's a lot of work here as well, because three rooms, it's just, so 
many of you guys who have done remodels, um, you, you probably know that the very first thing you think of is not what grit sandpaper do I need, right? It's not like what type of finishing nail am I looking for? Not, not even maybe what color paint or what sheen of paint should I pick? One of the first things you do for remodel is you order a dumpster, right? That's, that's the first thing you do, right? You, you need a sledgehammer, and the bigger and bulkier, the better. And hopefully a lot of friends. Like, that's the, that's the first step. And if you've seen HGTV or you've seen some of these shows, they have the demo day, right? Where all the guys come in and just rip out all the old. And what I want to talk to you guys about today is the beauty of newness of life involves a season of getting out the old. And when you look at these pictures, maybe in your own, um, in your own remodel, there's always the joy of walking in and taking those first photos. Like, did you get a before picture? Does that make sense? The before picture is as important as the after picture because you want to show this to people. You want to remember yourself because it's in the contrast that makes you get excited. Just seeing a picture of a mansion in a magazine is like, well, good for them. But a picture of your friend's house before and after when they spent two months on their kitchen, you're like, that's awesome. Because you understand the contrast creates the celebration. And this is why Easter is such an amazing day for the church. It's death to life. It's a, it's a dead rabbi to a risen Savior. He is risen. A little faster next time. So there's this, there's this joy of recognizing that the Good Friday and knowing the before picture and the after picture. And today we get to talk about the after picture. John 19, 38 is where we're going to start today. And in, in, in the scriptures, there's Bibles all around. And there's some cell phones in the room too. So there's Bibles. I'm just kidding. I, let me make sure mine's on vibrating. Okay. Make sure that if you have a Bible, or you don't have a Bible, that you can take that Bible home, write your name in the front, take it with you. That's a gift. If you know somebody who needs a Bible, you can also uh, take that as a gift we want to be a church who freely gives away Bibles. 1938 is where we are. After these things, Joseph of Arimathea, who was a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, asked Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus, and Pilate gave him permission. So he came and took away his body. This is where we start. Jesus has died on the cross. And what to do with this dead, lifeless rabbi. And anytime we read the Bible here at Neighborhood Church, we, we normally go through books of the Bible. Currently, we're in 1 Corinthians as a study. But through Palm Sunday and Easter, we want to focus on these passages from the gospel. So that's what you're listening to today. But we want to think about the context, what's going on, what do the words actually mean in the very first Words in this passage are after these things. Those three words are 
very, very loaded as we talk on Resurrection Sunday. The last 24 hours of Jesus' life were quite intense. If you were at our Good Friday service, we read through Jesus' last hours. John 19 picks up on Friday night where Jesus has just died. The day before on Thursday, we have Jesus hanging out with his disciples, teaching. There was the season in the upper room where Jesus washed his disciples' feet, telling them, hey guys, this is the kind of life that you're going to need to continue to live. I'm not always going to be here. Of course, the disciples did not know fully what Jesus was talking about. He had his last meal with them, which we will take together today at the end of our service as we take communion. He goes to the garden to pray and chooses to obey the will of God because Jesus knows the cross and the beatings are coming later on. And it's in that one of his very own disciples, one of the guys who's been with him for three years, a part of his ministry, actually his treasurer is the very one who betrays him to the guards. And then Jesus is brought before councils and governments. And he is judged by people. And of course his sentence is a crucifixion. A death on a cross. So Peter denies him three times. Most of the disciples have seemed to have fled. He's beaten to the, almost the point of death. He's ridiculed. He's mocked. He's stripped of his clothes. He's made fun of as some sort of false king. And the soldiers make a crown of thorns. And they shove on his head. And say, look at this mighty king. And they're in front of his killers. With nails in his hands and his feet. Jesus dies. And this whole time, Jesus, being the Son of God, has the ability to call for help to angels. At any moment can come and rescue him. And because of love, he says, no, I'm going to stay and be obedient to this task, this plan that God has put me on this planet for. In this same love that restrained his call for help, allowed him to say things like, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That's the Jesus we're talking about today. This new life in Christ begins with a death. We just read in John 19 that Jesus is dead and his body's being taken be put somewhere point number one today life in Christ starts with a death life in Christ starts with a death we're going to use the physical death of Jesus and connect that to us today Jesus just just a week earlier after being welcomed in Jerusalem with Palm branches, if you heard last week, we had kids and adults waving palm branches to remember this great welcoming of the King Jesus to Jerusalem. 
And now a week later, he is, he's dead. But as he comes into the city, he teaches. This is what he says in John 12. And Jesus answered them, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. Whoever loves his life loses it. And whoever hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. The seed must, in the grain, it must fall and and die in a way for it to bear much fruit. This is a principle Jesus taught us right before his own death. Life in Christ starts with a death. And many people in my life, as I talk about what does it mean to follow Jesus, Dave, why are you a Christian? Dave, why are you in doing you know, youth ministry? Or why do you work at a church? Or all the different stages of conversations I've had with people over the years. When they consider becoming a Christian, the way most people talk, and this is very normal, I get it. This is how most things in life are. So I totally understand the question. People want to add Christianity to their life. That stuff sounds good. I'd like to add that to my life. Start doing some religious things. I think that'll be good for my family or for my kids or for me. But what is life in Christ actually about? Well, it starts with the death. A rich young man came to Jesus in Jesus' ministry and wanted to say, Jesus, I want to follow you. How do I best follow you? And Jesus said to this man in Matthew 19, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. There's a death. There is this, you must let go of your life first before you can have true life in Christ. When I was um, a student pastor, we went down to New Orleans after the floods, and, and uh, every house in neighborhoods that we went to were covered in mold, like every house. And some houses got connected to this ministry we were part of, and we took kids from Kansas down to New Orleans, and we went into homes and with masks on. Can you believe they made us wear masks? I'm just kidding, but we wore masks. Kids were like, are you sure we got to wear these? Just for a few hours. You'll never have to wear them again, you know? It's like, so we'd wear these masks. We'd go in and just, like, you would see the black mold everywhere. And what was our job? To take everything in the house that had that on it out to the street. And the city would come by with, believe it or not, just bulldozers. And just push all that stuff into giant piles of trash. But they had to get the stuff out of the house. Could you imagine if we went to New Orleans and the team or the ministries we were partnering with, they just, we walked into those houses, they just gave us a five-gallon drum of paint. <laughs> and they said, just start painting. And you're like, is this going to work, you know? <laughs> it's like, no. What do you have to do? You, for a true remodel, you have to remove the mold. Why? Because the mold will like, literally kill you. New life in Christ starts 
with a death. And you may think Jesus was harsh for this man who was young and wealthy. And Jesus said, go and sell your stuff, man, and then come follow me. Because what did Jesus know? That stuff is mold. When you try to just put Jesus on top of a life that's running your own way, you're the king, hey, we have to add some religious things to your life. That's not, that's not what works. That actually makes everything harder and it's broken and it's full of hypocrisy. Life in Christ started with his death and now it's for us putting to death our pride and choosing humility to live under his authority. And this is why we must get the old out first. We all have sin. We all have mold. And it's killing us. So Jesus went through death for us. It was not Jesus' sin that he was paying for, but it was yours and it was mine. Romans 5.8 says this, but God shows his love for us in this while we were sinners. Christ died for us. Do you see the pronouns there? Don't include Jesus at all. It's our sin that he is dying for. So my first question today, are you willing to die to yourself? New life in Christ starts with a death. As we talked about the contrast and the celebration of the before and the after, the before is the first part, the death. But the other end of the spectrum is life. Let's read of the resurrection, John 20. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. So she ran, went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not where they have laid him. So Peter went out with the other disciple. The other disciple is actually John in this case. He just talks about himself in third person. And they were going toward the tomb. Both of them were running together. But the other disciple, John, outran Peter and searched and reached the tomb first. And stooping to look in, he saw the linen clothes lying there, but he did not go in. Then Simon Peter came, following him, and went into the tomb. He saw the linen cloth lying there, and the face cloth, which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth, but folded up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple, who had reached the tomb first, also went in. He saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. He has risen. Well done. Last week we looked at this miracle of Jesus raising Lazarus from the dead. And it was so many days that by the time Jesus got there, they were like, you don't want to move the stone. It stinks. He's like, he's really dead. But Jesus is like, no, roll the stone away. And he's, Jesus speaks life into a dead body. And Lazarus 
comes to life and a crowd forms and that crowd has palm branches when Jesus enters the city and the, 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 the people, the leaders of the city are like, this is getting too crazy. We need to go ahead and kill Jesus and try to kill Lazarus again too. That's the story that Jesus is in the middle of. But this Easter resurrection, it takes this miracle of Lazarus where a miracle worker comes and speaks life into a dead body. It, it takes this to a whole new level. Well, why is that? Well, there was no other miracle worker. It was Jesus and being the son of God and the power over death came out, moved his own stone, right? This is the resurrection. It's proof that God had a plan from the beginning. And it's not just another dead prophet. Jesus, son of God, he came, he lived a perfect life. A life that we, that the creation could not live. And then, as the righteous son of God, he chose to say, I'll absorb the sins of all these humans that I love. And then I will absorb the punishment from God. And now, people can go to God because our punishment has already been paid for by Jesus. That's the gospel. That's the resurrection. That's the proof that God lived through, lived out his plan through the work of Jesus. So there's one act of obedience. What's that one act? Well, Jesus dies. His nails and driven through his body. And this act of obedience allows for all of us to rest assured that we can believe in the work of Jesus. Your sins, my sins, they've been atoned for. The sacrifice has been paid. The price of disobeying God is eternal punishment, basically going through hell. But Jesus said, you know what? God, I'll go through hell in their place. So point number two today. Life in Christ is a restored life. Life in Christ is a restored life. God is perfectly just. He's perfectly loving. And you may think, well, how does he allow sinners to come into relationship with him? Well, it's because of the very story of Passion Week. Jesus' death for the sins of mankind. Jesus didn't sacrifice himself by jumping in front of a bullet for us. And as a hero, we go to his, we go to his tomb and remember this great work that he did. Jesus is the son of God who takes away the sins of the world. And he lives. Jesus lives. I talk to him. I sing to him. And many of you do too. No one, nobody wants to live in a, in, a, in a moldy home. And nobody wants to live in a, in a gutted home where everything's just been thrown out, where life in Christ 
starts with a death. We want to live in a, a restored home. A home with solid floors and a, a dry ceiling and electrical and plumbing that work and, and paint that looks nice. This is the kind of life that God wants to give you. A, not a life you have to get rid of all the old, but give you something beautiful and new. But where the analogy breaks down is within five years, styles are going to change. Gray is not going to be in forever. You know what I'm saying? It's like there's going to be a season where we paint all the walls yellow here again. Or mustard yellow. Or, or that guacamole green. That's going to be awesome. Like back wall. You know what I'm saying? It's like it's going to work again. But we do the work. When you think about the analogy, we do the work. Here's the beauty about the restored life. What God does inside the heart of you and me is the Spirit gives you a new identity. The Spirit says, you are now a child of God. You are now in the family of God. You are now, your position has changed. But you say, Dave, I have, there's a lot of mold still in here. And I, I get it. I, I got the mold too. Here's the difference, is the Spirit of God is doing the work in all of us. And as Christians, as followers of Christ, we recognize we're now in the family of God, and the discipline and the changes and the, and the moves we make to, to act more like Jesus are all part of the plan. The, the, the Bible word for that is sanctification, this ongoing restoration of your life. And this is what new life in Christ is. It's saying, God, Will you restore in me who you have designed me to be? You might be thinking it would take a miracle that you could be seen as restored, that God would see you through the lens of the cross, that when God looks at you, you're perfect, and you're like, He's wrong. It's like, no, God's never wrong. Now we're arguing, right? You're, he's not wrong. You're perfect because he looks through the lens of the gospel at each and every one of us. And if you have children or you have nieces and nephews in your life and you see them with like this, like they have jagged edges, but you love them because they're yours. God who's perfect does that with us. He loves you because you're his. And he's going to help do the work of restoration in your life. It does take a miracle. Each person who says, yes, I want to follow Jesus, it is a miracle. But the same power, the scriptures teach, the same power that rose Jesus from the dead saves each and every one of us and new life in Christ. That power is for us. The Christian life is not based on good works. The Christian life is not based on good works. It is based on the good work. The obedience of one man in our place. And that's why we celebrate the resurrection. It's new life. John 26. We read this about this point of restoration for these disciples. Then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb and he saw the linen cloth lying there and the face cloth which had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen cloth but folded 
up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in, and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture, that he must rise from the dead. He saw and believed. These guys had doubts. Maybe you came to church today with plenty of doubts. Is this building, are these people all a joke? Is it all just because some people need a little help in their life? That's good for them. The great healer was dead. Who was going to save Peter and John? Was their last three years wasted? Their careers they left? But something changed when they went in and they saw that the resurrection was real. Something changed in them. There was something about the contrast from death to life that caused them to celebrate. So my question, second question for us today, this morning, is have you seen and believed Jesus? He is the great restorer and wants to restore you. The two points we've talked about so far, life in Christ starts with death. Life in Christ is a restored life. In closing, here's our third point. It's, it's the most hospitable thing God does. Life in Christ is for everyone who believes. You do not have to get better to become a Christian. You have to actually recognize that you can't be better without Jesus. That's what a Christian is. This point comes from Romans 10, 13. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Do you know who penned that in Romans? A guy named Paul, who spent a chunk of his early life killing and persecuting Christians. And God came to him and said, Paul, you're mine. I'm going to make you not see so you can see. So Paul's blinded his, his death in his calling. And then his given sight back is life in his calling. This is how God works. He gets your attention by getting the mold out so something new can be put in. Everyone who calls on the name of Jesus today will be saved. I don't know if you know this, but all of your sins can be forgiven. And I'm not saying sorry humans are going to always forgive you. Because we're not that good. But God says, I forgive you. And you may say, that's impossible. You wouldn't believe the things I think and I do. Well, what if the cross is an example of saying, yeah, it's pretty bad. The punishment's actually pretty bad for all that junk you did and are doing and will do. But let me show you. God knows how bad it is. He's going to kill his own son in your place. Life in Christ starts with a death. This morning, will you admit that you need to 
get rid of some things in your life. You need to step off the throne of your life. Life in Christ is a restored life. Jesus doesn't want to only take away your sin, but wants to give you something special. Something that's satisfying, something that's eternal. The righteousness of Jesus. Life in Christ is for everyone who believes. Belief, it's not just the fact that I learned a story at church and I think it's true. The reason why I know that's not enough is because the demons and Satan believe that fact and they are in hell. The difference for the Christian is say, I believe it to be true and I want to follow Jesus. So today's Easter where we celebrate the contrast. We celebrate the death and the life and the beautiful picture of the two together. And we've talked about his death and we've talked about his life. And My hope is that your heart has a level of worship that you care about what Jesus has done for you. But my hope is there's another miracle before us today. It's the contrast of our position with God. And you may have come in the room as an enemy of God, not caring about God, only caring about yourself and figuring out life on yourself and not even having faith. But maybe this morning through some of the music or things that Rivers said or even what the Bible has been saying up to this point that maybe I should consider this for my life. And your heart is feeling soft like it's Maybe never felt before. And Easter 22 is something that's, something new is happening. There's, some, there's death and there's, there's life happening. So what I want to do is I just have a little time of prayer before we go to the table and take communion together. So would you pray with me? Jesus, we, we're in awe that you would say yes to this plan in our place. That you would be the sacrifice, you would be the hero of the story. And that you would allow those of us who've made hundreds of thousands of bad decisions to have access to a perfect God. Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for the resurrection to show us that you are alive. you are God. Father, I pray for men and women and students in the room right now that they've heard of you, they've thought about you, but they've never followed you. They've never stepped off the authority in their life and given it to you, Jesus. My prayer is that your spirit would move in them today, that they would make that decision to follow you. Everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved, and my prayer is that Many will call on your name. If you'd like to do this this morning, pray with me in your own heart. Jesus, I'm a sinner. Jesus, I, I need to die to myself. Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm in need. 
Jesus, thank you for the cross and the work that you have done, the obedience that you did that I could not do. Thank you for having my sins there punished so I can have a relationship with God. And Jesus, this morning, I dedicate my life to you to not live for myself, but to live for you under your authority. May you be my Savior and my Lord. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for bringing me into your kingdom. Thank you for softening my heart so that I would even care about you. Jesus, help me find next steps, what to do as you restore my life into perfection that you have planned for me for all eternity. Amen.